You are listening to CITR-FM 101.9 or on your computer, www.citr.ca. Stay tuned now for The Jazz Show with Gavin Walker coming right up right now.
we would like to welcome you to another edition of The Jazz Show on CITR FM 101.9 or on the web. You can listen uh, live streaming at CITR.ca. My name's Gavin Walker, and uh, we did have an absence last week. We were here in the form of a podcast from the year before, but uh, we are live, we hope, <laughs> tonight. And uh, we are beginning a new series of jazz features for the month of July. And that series is albums that were made by artists for Blue Note Records who may have appeared on many albums as side men, but only made one album under their own name. And we're beginning with a wonderful album tonight for Blue Note Records by pianist Irving Sidney Jordan. He was better known as Duke Jordan. And uh, he did this wonderful album called Flight to Jordan. And this was his only appearance under his own name for Blue Note Records. And uh, he formed uh, for this album uh, a wonderful quintet. Interestingly enough, um, these albums that we're going to feature all month um, were beginning with this particular album. As I mentioned before, they are albums by musicians who appeared as sidemen, but only appeared once as leaders, in other words, under their own name for the prestigious Blue Note records. Now, Blue Note was known for its production values, its covers, uh, its sound quality. Um, they truly were, Blue Note Records, uh, a quality product, which is why they're being reissued over and over and over again for many, many years, even though Blue Note is really no more. Uh, well, I shouldn't say that. It's um, The label is still there, but of course they're... Uh, producing all kinds of new music and so on. But these classic Blue Note albums, uh, when Blue Note was under the um, governorship of uh, two wonderful people, they were um, escapees from the Holocaust, and they were German nationals, and they managed to get out of Germany in 1938 before the downfall, Kristallnacht and all that horrible stuff and um, came to the United States. They were jazz lovers in Germany, and they continued uh, that uh, in the United States and um, formed Blue Note Records. And, of course, the rest is history. And I'm talking about Alfred Lyon and Francis Wolfe. They were uh, very close friends, and they were the co-owners of Blue Note Records. So, getting back to our feature album this evening... Irving Sidney Jordan, Duke Jordan. He was born on April 1st, 1922, and lived a good long life. Um, he ended up in, in Copenhagen. Um, he moved there permanently in 1978. He'd been going there uh, during the 70s, fell in love with uh, uh, the Danish culture and the city of Copenhagen and its openness to, uh, to jazz music and the freedom from racism, all that kind of stuff. Um, and he moved there permanently and, and passed away in August 
of 2006, and he was 84 years old. Duke Jordan was always very proud that he, he always maintained, he said, you know, I never changed my style. I never updated anything. I just played the way I felt. And uh, he was truly uh, a devoted uh, jazz musician and a wonderful piano player and composer, very much so. Duke was a heavy. The only thing that Duke was not was a, a very good husband. <laughs> he was married to singer Sheila Jordan. She still carries his name to this day uh, for 10 years. And they had a wonderful daughter, which basically Sheila raised on her own. A very, very accomplished lady named Tracy. Duke wasn't much help. So they divorced in, um, they were together for about 10 years, and they divorced in about 1962 and didn't remain friends. However, that's a whole other side, and uh, we're into the music and this particular album. Uh, Duke actually came to fame working with Charlie Parker, uh, and this working with Bird in his regular working band alongside Miles Davis on trumpet and uh, Tommy Potter on bass and uh, Max Roach on drums and Duke Jordan on piano, Bird's quintet recorded um, a lot and, of course, Duke is on so many of Charlie Parker's classic records. And his contribution is not only the beautiful introductions in, uh, to the tunes, um, but these small, beautifully played solos that never wasted a note. Duke was not a note waster. Everything was... Um, somebody could define his style as being simple, but it's not. It's very difficult to be artistically simple. And um, Duke had a, a wonderful light touch on the piano, which he always maintained, and lyrical as well. So after uh, his tenure with Charlie Parker, Duke freelanced and worked with uh, a couple of years with Stan Getz, who was uh, on his way up in the early 50s as being one of the most important saxophone players. And um, Duke was always associated with Art Blakey. Now, when Duke recorded on his own, he always used, um, as much as possible, Art Blakey. They were very, very close friends. Interestingly enough, in the late 50s, Duke was contracted to write some music for a French film called Le, Les Liaisons Dangereux, Dangerous Liaisons. And Duke wrote this music, and it was to be played by Art Blakey's Jazz Messengers. And Duke, I think, uh, Duke appeared on one tune uh, playing piano, but it was basically a, uh, an edition of Art Blakey's Jazz Messengers. Unfortunately, something happened, a, a very complicated legalese, um, and when the French album came out on Fontana Records and then later on the domestic issue of the music from this film, supposedly written by Duke Jordan, there was no credit to him at all. And it was uh, published by somebody named... Um, <laughs> Jacques Marais, 
Now, who the hell is Jacques Marais? Anyway, that's the, that's the mystery. Jordan blamed Art Blakey for all of this and uh, claimed that Art Blakey got all the royalties and all the money, and the only thing that Duke Jordan got was a very small advance. Uh, unfortunately, Art Blakey and Duke Jordan never spoke again after this. It was a, a bit sad, but uh, Jordan managed to record all of the tunes that he did for the film uh, with proper titles and proper credits on an album on his own for the Charlie Parker label. And that's a very fine album if you can find that. Duke uh, went on. In the 60s, there was a bit of a downturn on the jazz scene, and Duke Jordan um, bought a half a medallion for a taxi and drove a taxi for many years in New York City, played on the side kind of thing, um, but drove his cab and, uh, and kept the finances happening. And eventually uh, was kind of rediscovered in the 70s um, by the Danish steeplechase label. And he began recording prolifically for them, and that's where he got in touch with, I uh, went to Denmark and, and got in touch with all these very um, aware uh, Danes and uh, developed a love for, uh, for Denmark and, of course, spent the rest of his days there. So with all that in mind, I just thought I'd tell you a little bit about Duke Jordan. We're going to get to this album now. This is a fine quintet that he put together. Duke, of course, is on piano. He hired for this date the great Jamaican-born trumpeter Dizzy Reese. And uh, Dizzy's here with one of the great voices of the tenor saxophone, the one and only Stan the Man, Stanley Turrentine. On bass was a young man who had just started to work with John Coltrane, Reginald Workman on bass, and the great New York drummer, Arthur Taylor. So that's the quintet. Dizzy Reese on trumpet, Stanley Turrentine, tenor saxophone, Reggie Workman on bass, Arthur Taylor on drums, and, of course, Duke Jordan on piano. And all these compositions, there's seven of them and one standard on this album. But all the, the first seven tunes are all written by Duke Jordan. So we open with one called Flight to Jordan. It was re actually recorded by Art Blakey a couple of times. And uh, the second tune is one of my favorites. It's a very, very beautiful ballad stated by the two horns. And um, it's just such a gorgeous melody. It always touches my heart. Tune number two is called Star Bright. Tune number three is called Squawkin'. Tune number four is another favorite of mine. It's a slow blues dedicated to some character in Harlem that probably had a Bible and was a a street corner preacher. Anyway, tune number four is called Deacon Joe, and it's probably dedicated to somebody like that. Uh, tune number five is called Split Quick. Tune number six um, has a couple of titles. Um, it's generally known as No Problem, but for this date, it's called Sea Joya, S-I-J-O-Y-A. Tune number seven is entitled Diamond Stud. And tune number eight, the tune that wraps up the whole album, is 
the horns don't play on this tune. It's uh, just piano, bass, and drums. And one of Duke Jordan's favorite ballads, the Axel Stordal tune called I Should Care. All of this was recorded August 4th, 1960 in, at Rudy Van Gelder's studio. So here then is our jazz feature this evening, the wonderful Duke Jordan on piano with his album Flight to Jordan, and that's the name of the first tune. Thank you. 
And that was our jazz feature this evening. Pianist Duke Jordan in his only album under his own name for the prestigious jazz label Blue Note Records. And Duke put together a fine quintet of musicians to uh, do this recording. Recorded at uh, Van Gelder Studios, August 4th, 1960. And we heard Dizzy Reese, the great Jamaican-born trumpeter, Stanley Turrentine on tenor saxophone, one of the giants of that instrument, and a young man who was just beginning to work with uh, John Coltrane's quartet, Reginald Workman on bass, and, of course, the ubiquitous Arthur Taylor on drums. And, of course, Arthur made hundreds of recording sessions one of the reasons was his talent on the drums, of course, and his, his knowledge of, of uh, all styles of jazz. But he was also um, really uh, one, uh, somebody that the recording engineers loved because he was easy to record. Somehow the sound of his drums, the way he had them tuned and so on, made it, made it easy on, on the uh, uh, recording engineers. And they loved Arthur Taylor. And, of course, one of the things that distinguished him was his amazing cymbal ride. And, of course, Irving Sidney Jordan at the piano, better known as Duke Jordan. All of the tunes, with the exception of the very last tune that we heard, uh, were all written by Duke Jordan. And some of them had different titles. He, he um, was quite a composer, and of course when he recorded, especially when he began recording over in Europe, he um, published the tunes over there <laughs> with different titles on them uh, so that um, he could uh, get a new set of royalties uh, if available, that kind of thing. So uh, several musicians did that, and Duke Jordan was uh, not afraid of... Uh, uh, interfering with the uh, American copyright either. He'd, say, he'd simply take the same tune and call it a different title. Anyway, the tunes on here were all titled by Duke and all uh, on the album. So the first one was called Flight to Jordan, the title track. The second tune, as I mentioned, was uh, probably my favorite. It was a very um, elegant ballad. It featured a beautiful melodic statement by the two horns and, of course, um, uh, a solo piano interlude in between. And the tune was called uh, Star Bright. Tune number three, picked things up a little bit, is called Squawkin'. Then we went into the deep blues and the slow blues. Again, a very elegant kind of a composition dedicated to uh, a sidewalk preacher, probably one of the many that uh, Duke Jordan in, encountered in Harlem. This one he entitled Deacon Joe, tune number four. Tune number five was a tune called Split Quick. Tune number six was his very famous composition known by this title, No Problem. But on this album, he called it the original title, See Joya. Tune number seven was entitled Diamond Stud, and the final tune just played by the trio without the horns was one of Duke Jordan's favorite ballads written by Paul Weston and Axel Stordell, a tune called I Should Care. 
So that was our Zazz feature this evening, Flight to Jordan, issued on Blue Note Records, pianist Duke Jordan. He had a good long life, lived to uh, 84 years old. We'll be back in a very few moments. I'd just like to remind you that you are listening to The Jazz Show on CITR FM 101.9 or live streaming on your computer, www.citr.ca. My name's Gavin Walker, and we'll return in a few moments. You forgot the surfboards? How are we going to shred the gnarly waves now? Well, I got just the replacement. I picked up some copies of Discorder instead. Well, it looks like this surf day just got a whole lot better. This extra special summer issue of Discorder features interviews with local punk rockers Lie, queer Métis fashion designer Evan Ducharme, and the hosts of CITR's Radio Pizza Party. There will also be an exclusive Bartholomew comic strip, short fiction by Mac Gordon, and a suggested summer reading list compiled by the staff of Massey Books. And of course there will be reviews of the Music Waste and Sled Island Music Festivals, as well as podcasts, films, and more. Thank you to our advertisers, Blueprint, Timber Concerts, The Cinematheque, Rickshaw Theatre, Mint Records, Hexistential Festival, Current Symposium, Audio Pile, and An Evening in Damascus. The 41st Vancouver Folk Music Festival comes to Jericho Beach Park July 13th to 15th. Experience the music of your world with artists from across North America and around the globe coming to make this the best weekend of your summer. Artists this year include the great Rye Cooter featuring the Hamiltones, the glorious Nico Case, the exciting Son Jarocho of Mexico's Son de Madeira, Rodney Crowell, Juno winners The Dead South, Bluesman Guy Davis, Mozambique's Wazimbo, and Banda Kakana, Alex Cuba, and many more. Come to the beach to hear a world of music and magic at the Vancouver Folk Music Festival. Info and tickets at the festival.bc.ca. The iconic Rickshaw Theatre celebrates its nine years as a music venue in the heart of Vancouver's downtown east side. The once movie theatre turned live music venue has hosted a number of legendary acts over the years, including The Sonics, Gary Newman, DOA, Buzzcocks, War on Drugs, Misfits, King Gizzard and the Wizard Lizard, and many more. To celebrate its nine years, the Rickshaw has invited Art to Echo, Sunbathe with members from Typhoon, The Intelligence Service, and Cartoon Lizard with a liquid light show by the world-renowned Mad Alchemy. For ticket information, please check out rickshawtheater.com. You're listening to CITR 101.9, broadcasting from UBC's Point Grey campus, located on the traditional, unceded, Coast Salish territory of the Honkameenam-speaking Musqueam people. The next portion of uh, this evening's program, by the way, those of you that uh, are enjoying the show, and I hope you are, the, um, I'm going to be playing a little bit later on in the show the brand new undiscovered, or some tracks from the brand new 
Undiscovered John Coltrane album, and uh, it's quite something. This was a, a session that uh, nobody knew about, and uh, I'll tell you the story when we, uh, when we get around. But first, I'd like to dedicate this part of the show to a wonderful lady who is celebrating her birthday today, July 9th, and she lives over on Pender Island, and her name is Norma Jean. So very happy birthday to Norma, and I'm going to play, I think, and I know this, one of Norma's favorite pianists. Um, We saw him a couple of times in person, and of course it was an unforgettable experience. And I'm talking about Keith Jarrett, and I'm going to play two, um, a group of tunes from this wonderful album called After the Fall. And it has just been, well, recently uh, released on ECM Records. It was actually recorded November 14, 1998. And it was his first, um, Keith Jarrett had suffered from um, CFS, chronic fatigue syndrome. And he'd been out of action completely for two years with this mysterious and uh, horrible ailment. And he was incapable of uh, energy or even playing. And things were beginning to come back. And he was booked on this. He accepted this booking at the New Jersey Performing Arts Center in Newark, New Jersey, which is fairly close to his home. So it wouldn't involve uh, onerous traveling. But he was nervous. He was scared. He was wondering whether he could do this or not. And of course, he reassembled his uh, standards trio with Gary Peacock on bass and Jack DeJanette on drums. And he was completely, he didn't know how it was going to go. But he thought he'd chance it. And of course, it turned out to be a beautiful experience, not only for the audience that was listening, but for Jarrett and his compatriots. And uh, we're going to play three tunes. And as I mentioned before, I'm dedicating um, this music to the birthday of Norma. And uh, happy birthday out there. We're going to hear three tunes with uh, Jarrett on piano, Gary Peacock on bass, and Jack DeJanette on drums. We're beginning with Sonny Rollins' Doxy. And then another uh, beautiful interpretation of an old tune called I'll See You Again, written by Noel Coward. And the final tune was written by Paul Desmond. And it's his own composition called Late Lament. So here then, the wonderful piano stylings of the one and only Keith Jarrett. Thank you. 
That's an incredible trio. Keith Jarrett at the piano, Gary Peacock on bass, and Jack DeJanette on drums. And we opened with Sonny Rollins' Doxy, then a beautiful Noel Coward tune, I'll See You Again. And uh, Jarrett really explored uh, all the possibilities on that tune. And the final tune was Paul Desmond's great composition called Late Lament. And as I mentioned before, I dedicated uh, all this music to uh, a wonderful Pender Island resident, Norma, who was celebrating her birthday today, July 9th. And Jarrett is one of her all-time favorite musicians. This was recorded at the uh, New Jersey Performing Arts Center in Newark, uh, November 14th, 1998, after this was Keith Jarrett's first appearance after suffering from uh, chronic fatigue syndrome for a couple of years. And uh, he curtailed all of his public performances for those two years. And uh, obviously, everything was back on this one. And uh, so happy that uh, ECM Records and Jarrett decided to uh, issue this album. It was called After the Fall is the title of the album, and it's a two-CD set on uh, ECM Records. We shall return after a brief message with, as promised, some music from the newly discovered John Coltrane album. Just like to remind you that you are listening to CITR FM 101.9 or on live streaming via your computer, www.citr.ca. And my name is Gavin Walker, and this is the jazz show on CITR, of course. And we shall be back. Discordianism is a religion and subsequent philosophy. Discordian might seem to be much more forgiving of the normals. Yeah, the goddess of chaos, or archetypes, or ideas. Well, it's really heavy interest in discordianism. Founded after the 1963 publication of its holy book, The Principia Discordia. Discorder magazine has been Vancouver's longest-running, free, badass, independent magazine, 35 years strong. On Saturday, July 21st, celebrate 401 issues of Discorder magazine with an all-ages party at Red Gate. There will be performances by BB, Francesca Belcourt, Morning Coo, and The New Rituals, guest hosted by Duncan's Donuts, and featuring a photo booth, giant twister, and more. Tickets are a suggested donation of $10 and doors open at 8. For more information, visit citr.ca or find the event on Facebook. Today's weather is a little bit of a minor blip because there's going to be some solid, beautiful summer weather coming up. 
So tonight is cloudy, and there's still a 70% chance of a shower with a low of 15. Um, (laughs) They're not pulling down the curtain on summer. It just happens today. Tomorrow will be um, cloudy in the morning, 70% chance of a shower, and then it'll clear up uh, in the early afternoon, and then we'll have a mix of sun and cloud tomorrow. That'll be the transition day. Uh, with a low of 15 and a high of 20. And then prepare yourself for Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. Solid sunshine all of those days. Temperatures, it's going to get warm. As a matter of fact, it's going to get hot. But temperatures uh, in the evening will go down to 14 or 15. And during the day, they'll go up to from 23 to 25 in the city. And up to 28, 30, and 31 out in the subs. So it's going to be summertime, and the living is easy. Good old Vancouver summertime. So get out and appreciate it starting Wednesday. The discovery of this album, of course, the subject of all kinds of publicity, was um, this undiscovered Um, previously unreleased, with the exception of one tune from this uh, album by John Coltrane and his classic quartet. And in the discographies, it says um, unissued. Well, that's it. But uh, Impulse Records didn't keep a lot of um, um, tapes around... uh, Once they were finished with them, they were pretty well destroyed. They didn't want to pay for storage space, so a lot of incredible music uh, got kind of uh, disposed of. This session, very interesting, um, Coltrane had a very, very good relationship with the Impulse label, and he always got um, studio copies of any of his recording sessions. And this one he took home. And uh, he gave it to his, uh, well, his wife of the time was uh, Naima. Uh, He hadn't uh, um, become involved with uh, Alice Coltrane. And um, anyway, he took it home, and and that was it. And it it was promptly forgotten. It was... Supposed to be, uh, obviously, I think it was uh, designed to be released uh, as an album, but then he did so many other albums in this particular period. Um, Perhaps it was economic reasons why this particular recording session was simply forgotten and and put away because Coltrane went on to uh, do a a classic uh, album with vocalist Johnny Hartman, um, and then he, uh, there was a hiatus, and he recorded an album uh, live at Birdland in 1963, and then, of course, went on to all sorts of other things, including moving right up to his uh, most famous album, which is Love Supreme. So this session got forgotten, and it was only recently that um, the family of Naima Coltrane, John's first wife, discovered this album, uh, or discovered the tapes that uh, had been given to, uh, to Mr. Coltrane. And they processed the tapes and issued this album. 
And, of course, it's quite a discovery of unissued, previously unissued album by John Coltrane. And it's really worth buying both CDs. The deluxe edition contains two CDs. And uh, we're going to hear some tracks from, uh, from this album. The first piece of music is an album or, or is a, a, um, a tune said to be written by John Coltrane. I have my doubts. I have a feeling that maybe his friend Calvin Massey, who wrote, uh, who was responsible for some of the music on um, Africa Brass, the famous album, and was a very, very close associate of John Coltrane's. I have a feeling he wrote this tune, but this is my theory, and the theory of a couple of other people, too. I really don't believe that this is a John Coltrane original, although it's credited to him. It could be. It could also have been written by McCoy Tyner. We don't know. It just, uh, on the album, it, it is in t- it called Untitled Original, 11386, because all the tunes that are untitled are given a number, and we're going to hear take one of that tune. We're going to follow that with an unissued previously unissued version with uh, John Coltrane playing tenor saxophone on this one of a tune written by Franz Lehar, who wrote tunes like for uh, light operettas and so on. Unlikely source of <laughs> material that John Coltrane would use, but the tune is called Vilia, and um, we'll hear John Coltrane's uh, version of this tune. Uh, there is an issued version of this song where he plays soprano saxophone, but we're going to hear him on tenor saxophone on this tune. Then we're going to move to a tune that he didn't even have a title for this tune um, for many years, and uh, uh, it was still untitled, but we know it now as Impressions, and it's uh, based on the same structure as Miles Davis's uh, So What?, It involves two, uh, uh, basically two chords. And uh, so we're going to hear a wonderful take of impressions. And I think we'll we'll follow that up with with a tune. There's no title. It's just called Slow Blues. And it shows John Coltrane's mastery of the blues. Charlie Parker was one of the most superb blues players, and so was John Coltrane. So we're going to hear that too. So we begin with Untitled Original, 11386, Villia, Impressions, and The Slow Blues from this brand new discovered album. Sonny Rollins is quoted as saying, this is like finding a new room in the Great Pyramid. The album is called both directions at once. John Coltrane.
We heard four tunes from this recently issued, unissued, John Coltrane recording session done March the 6th, 1963. And as Sonny Rollins said, this is like finding a new room in the Great Pyramid. He was quoted as saying that. This uh, album, of course, with Coltrane's classic quartet, with McCoy Tyner at the piano, Jimmy Garrison on bass, and Elvin Jones on drums. We heard a whole group of tunes. The first one is an untitled original, number 11386. We heard take one of that tune to open it up, and I uh, posited that uh, this was not an original written by John Coltrane. It may have been written by McCoy Tyner, or it may have been written by a close associate of Mr. Coltrane's, Calvin Massey. And uh, they collaborated on several uh, projects. So that's just my take. Anyway, I hope you enjoyed it. And Mr. Coltrane played soprano saxophone on that. Then a, a wonderful old tune written by a gentleman that wrote operettas and uh, light, you know, light opera stuff, and uh, Franz Lehar. And he wrote a tune, somehow uh, that charmed Coltrane, to uh, do an interpretation of a tune called Vilia. And this, of course, is an unissued take with him playing tenor uh, saxophone on this tune. Next was a tune that Coltrane himself never had a title for. Uh, he, he came up with it later on that year, but it still had no title uh, when it was recorded. But we all know that tune as Impressions, and we heard a fabulous take of that tune. And finally, a tune, A Slow Blues. There's no title. It's just called Slow Blues. And, of course, Coltrane displaying his uh, magnificent uh, uh, knowledge of the blues form. He took it every which way both directions at once, which is the title of this album. This is the uh, double CD issue, which I would advise everyone to buy. It's not that much more expensive than the single CD issue because it contains uh, all kinds of different uh, takes of basically uh, uh, the same tunes but different ways of interpreting them. So it it gives you a, a better picture of what went down on that Historic day, March the 6th, 1963, in Rudy Van Gelder's studio. So this double set uh, is available, and it's called John Coltrane, Both Directions at Once, The Lost Album. And, of course, as I mentioned before, it was discovered in the uh, tape boxes that uh, um, Coltrane had brought home a a tape for himself to listen to, and... um, Mrs. Coltrane, it was in her possessions, um, Naima Coltrane. And it was found to be in her possession, this lost tape. And, of course, it was uh, processed, digitalized, and all that sort of stuff, and eventually released on this album. So that's it, the John Coltrane Classic Quartet. And, of course, there's a wonderful set of... uh, very explanatory liner notes written by the great Ashley Kahn um, about everything in this album. Very informative, and it's uh, this recording date is quite a treasure. 
quite a discovery as well. We're going to turn our attention now to the music of one of my favorite composers, Carla Bley. And this is from a wonderful, wonderful album called Fleur Carnivore. And the people involved in this band, this was recorded in Copenhagen at the uh, legendary Montmartre Club. And we have Lou Soloff on trumpet, who solos on this piece, and Jens Winter playing trumpets, Frank Lacey on French horn and flugelhorn, and some wonderful trombone work, as always, by one of Carla's favorites, Gary Valente on trombone, Bob Stewart on tuba, uh, Daniel uh, Bossier on oboe and flute, Wolfgang Puschnig on alto saxophone, Andy Shepard, who solos on this tune, on tenor saxophone, and Christoph Lauer, on, and Roberto Ottini on uh, the other saxophones. We hear a wonderful harmonica solo by Carla Bley's daughter, Karen Mantler, and she delivers on this tune. She also plays the organ, the vibes, and the chimes, but she's heard in solo on a harmonica. Carla Blay is playing piano, her partner Steve Swallow on bass, Buddy Williams on drums, and Don Elias on percussion. That's the complete personnel, and we're going to hear parts one, two, and three of Carla Blay's composition, The Girl Who Cried Champagne. Thank you. 
The music of the fabulous Carla Bley, and that's from an album entitled Fleur Carnivore, and that was issued on Watt Records, and of course Carla with her amazing band, all the music and everything was arranged by Carla, and she, was, uh, she played the piano on here and directed the orchestra. Steve Swallow played electric bass, Carla's partner, Buddy Williams on drums, and Don Elias on percussion. And the soloists on this piece, we heard, of course, the amazing trumpet work of Lou Soloff. We also heard um, the British tenor saxophonist Andy Shepard, and we heard Carla Blaze's daughter on harmonica on, uh, one of the mo- on the second movement of the... Uh, this particular piece of music. And on the final movement, we heard, of course, the, uh, the great blatty trombone of Gary Valente. And, of course, uh, more words from uh, Lou Soloff and uh, Andy Shepard as well. Great band. And the piece of music we heard in three movements, it's entitled The Girl Who Cried Champagne, parts one, two, and three. So I certainly hope you enjoyed that. Music, fascinating music, always, of Carla Bley. Joey DeFrancesco is one of the great Hammond organists. As a matter of fact, in today's world, probably the leading, not only probably, definitely, the leading exponent of the Hammond B3 organ. This album goes back a few years with his uh, regular trio that he had, Paul, Paul Bollenbach on guitar, and Wookie, Byron Landham on drums. And this is a tribute to the great, late Don Patterson, one of the masters of the Hammond organ, one of my favorites. We're going to hear a couple of tunes from this uh, album. It's called uh, The Philadelphia Connection, because Don Patterson lived and based, was based in uh, Philadelphia for many years. And, of course, uh, worked all around the different clubs in that area as well. So the first tune we're going to hear is a Patterson composition called Sabout Time. Then we are going to listen to Sonny Rollins' great tune called Oleo. And 
Following that is a tune, another Don Patterson original. No, as a matter of fact, it's a Joey DeFrancisco original dedicated to the late Don Patterson, and it's called Blue Don. So here then, Joey DeFrancisco, Paul Bolenbach on guitar, and Byron Wookie Landham on drums. And here's about time. Thank <laughs> you. 
Joey DeFrancesco, one of the uh, wonders of the Hammond organ. And, of course, he's certainly the best today. Well, you know, uh, that's always a debatable when you call someone the best, but he certainly is the leading exponent of the Hammond organ. There's nobody quite like Joey. He's covered all the bases. This is from an earlier album. Uh, with Joey and his regular trio of the time, with Paul Bolenbach on guitar and Byron Wookie Landham on drums. And it's a tribute to the late, great Hammond organist Don Patterson. And it's called The Philadelphia Connection, a tribute to Don Patterson. So we heard three tunes. The first one was a Patterson composition called It's About Time. Then we took the tempo even faster for Sonny Rollins' Olio, and we brought it right down to the blues, written by Joey DeFrancesco, dedicated to Don Patterson, and he called it Blue Don. Joey D. Yes. We're going to uh, wrap up the show with and take you back to uh, Minton's Playhouse in Harlem. And, of course, the big, uh, the big Apple in New York City. January 6, 1961, and appearing there 
was one of the great tenor saxophone tag team matches. And they liked, um, you know, up-tempo, wild kind of uh, playing. But this is going to be kind of slowed down. But it's equally as interesting as any of their up-tempo stuff. Eddie Lockjaw Davis and Johnny Griffin formed uh, a great uh, tenor saxophone tag team match. And they kept that band together for, oh, I guess about three years with different people in the rhythm section. But here, Junior Mance. He's a Chicago-born pianist, one of the great pianists. As a matter of fact, he, almost, he steals the show on this piece. Um, and, of course, Johnny Griffin brought him into the, ma- uh, the band because uh, they're both from Chi-Town. On bass, Larry Gales, and on drums, Ben Riley. And, of course, Lockjaw Davis, Eddie Lockjaw Davis on tenor saxophone and, and Johnny Griffin. And Eddie Lockjaw Davis always soloed first in this group. So his sound is so identifiable. So here's a piece of music that's written by Lockjaw Davis and bassist George DeVivier. And it's called Light and Lovely. Here we go. Thank you. 
Recorded at Minton's Playhouse in Harlem in New York City. That was the Eddie Lockjaw Davis and Johnny Griffin two-tenor quintet. And, of course, Lockjaw took the first solo. He also was a co-writer of that uh, little tune as well uh, that he wrote with um, bassist George DeVivier, and he called it Light and Lovely. And on piano, who played uh, <laughs> so great on that piece and really kind of stole the show, I thought, uh, Junior Mance on piano, Larry Gales on bass, and Ben Riley on drums. The tune, Light and lovely. Ending another edition of The Jazz Show on CITR-FM 101.9 or, of course, on your computer, www.citr.ca. My name's Gavin Walker. We'll be back next week, same time, same station. Thank you very much for listening this evening. If you listen to part of the show, good. If you listen to the whole show, great. And uh, we hope to see you next week as well. Our jazz feature next week is another uh, album for Blue Note Records that was done by an artist, and um, I won't tell you who it is, but this month we're featuring Blue Note albums that were done just once for the label under the artist's own name. And, of course, tonight we had Duke Jordan's Flight to Jordan. Next week we'll have another one for you. All right, take care, and we'll see you in seven days' time. And be sure to get out and enjoy the incredible weather that we're going to be getting later on this week. Bye for now. Thank <laughs> you.